As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And joining us today is also Senior Writer Sam Rutherford. Hey, Sam. Hey, how you doing? Doing okay. Sam is here to chat with all of us about Samsung's new event. Uh, it was still an Impact event, right? It was Galaxy Impact yep. something something. Yep. I think the yep. subtitle was Galaxy AI is Coming, which sounds like a threat to me. <laughs> It doesn't sound like something I actually want. It sounds like uh, Bixby. Bixby is alive. We will be chatting about Samsung's new event. And also, Sherlin has finally had a chance to try out the Apple Vision Pro. Hell along yeah! Along with Editor-in-Chief. Editor yeah. So we're going to talk about that. And also, there's some news around the Vision Pro. I mean, the pre-orders are going up as you guys are listening to this podcast, probably. Um, and yeah, it's going to be in people's hands soon. So that's exciting. What a week. What a week. What a week. Jeez. No break after CES. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcast catcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes and drop us an email at podcast at gadget.com. So Samsung didn't waste any time after CS, right? They were just like, okay, you guys are done, tired after hearing all these announcements. Here's more phones, everything you're expecting. What did Samsung give us at the Galaxy AI event, guys? You can, I mean, okay, let's just say Samsung didn't just not wait till after CES. Samsung didn't even wait during CES. Yeah, I mean, Sam and yeah. I, all right, listen, if y'all saw our coverage, you saw all the things that we were doing, blah, blah, blah. And Sam and I had to like, this was more Sam than me, really. Like we had to take like a good two or three hours in the middle of like the, like the first or second day of the show to go and get hands on. And that just threw my cadence off. I'm sure like it added, like, it took precious time away from your day too, Sam. So, hey, Samsung, thanks a lot, man. Thanks. <laughs> um, but we did see interesting things. I, I do have my thoughts, but I'll let Sam go because Sam spent more, way more time with a more interesting phone of the lot, in my opinion, Sam. Go for it. Yeah, Sam, please sing the Samsung song. <laughs> yeah. Do this Sam, every Sam. time. So, I, I mean, I will say that like this whole thirst for like Samsung and all the other phone companies to like launch earlier and earlier in the year has finally hit like a real issue because you now you either are launching during CES or you have to launch in like the two days before CES after the new year. And it's like a lot of this stuff used to happen in Mobile World Congress. That's like kind of not happening anymore. And so it's just like I don't understand it and I don't know what they're going to do anymore because basically if they want to push it earlier, they're going to launch at the end of the previous year. So <laughs> uh -huh. whatever. Anyways, Samsung, you know, for this unpacked, we got essentially one device or one family of devices, the new mm -hmm. S24, you know, which is weird. Yeah, it's, I mean, if you look at the timeline, you know, we got new Z Fold, Z Flip back in like the late summer, uh, new Buds, Tab S9 in the late summer. So you can see why they, you know, at least on the timeline wise, we didn't get a bunch of new refresh devices. It still feels a little bit weird to have a, a whole Galaxy unpacked for a single device. Uh, there was hey, one. That's kind of. There was, more, yeah. there was one more. There was one other thing, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. And we will get. To, I will say this is kind of refreshing, guys, because every time we talk about no. Samsung events, it's like here's ten devices yep. with like vaguely different names, but they're all kind of similar, and we don't know how to differentiate them. Whereas now it's just like, hey, it's a couple of phones, and you can prepare. You can think, okay, if I'm going to upgrade my phone, I know what to look forward to this year, right? I, and and I, I'm going to let you continue really quick, Sam, but I was going to say, I'm glad they didn't like, I was like, where are the laptops? But you know what? I'm really glad because they've been so incrementally improved every year for the last few years, the laptops. I'm glad they didn't just force themselves to shit out a new series of laptops. So 
That's a good thing, Samsung. Good job. But go on, Sam. Sorry we interrupted. Right. So we have, uh, you know, three devices. We have the standard S24, the S24 Plus, and the S24 Ultra. Now, you know, one thing to kind of put this in the context is that this is the second year of kind of Samsung's like two-year product refresh cycle. So as you can kind of see just by looking at them, the designs are all almost exactly the same. And these, you know, I think Sherlyn mentioned this in our hands-on, is that these are kind of the most plainest uh, Samsung devices we've seen in a while. It's, you know, a glass sandwich and there's some cameras on the back and that's kind of it. There are basically no distinguishing features aside from on the new S24 Ultra, it has a new titanium frame. Now, once again, we saw this, you know, Apple did this last fall with the yep. iPhone 15 Pro <laughs> and so, and now you have the natural, oh, Samsung's copying Apple again and they kind of are. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, Has anybody licensed CS Titanium yet? For a commercial. <laughs> yeah, device. I don't know. Um, I mean, I feel like Apple would do that. Come on. Uh, one thing I want to point out, by the way, guys, looking at these phones, these give me real Nokia vibes. Like Nokia. Oh, really? Pure, you, like the Windows phone Nokia vibes. Yes. I, I they mean, gave that's, me... that's yeah. probably a good thing to call out in terms of design because yeah. Nokia phones were always known for not having much of a design. They were, you know, they were largely known as bricks for about a 10 yeah. years. Well, except for Wait, the PeerView. Yeah. Dev, you're talking about the Ultra, right? I'm talking about the, I mean, they all kind of look like this, but the Ultra well, too. Yeah. My first thing was like, I looked at the, and Sam, you you know, I walked in the hands-on event with you and I looked, at, I picked one S24 up and I was like, these are iPhones. Like, <laughs> they just feel exactly like iPhones. Yeah, they, they had the same rounded rounded corners, especially on the like the standard S24, S24 Plus. And, they, you know, they've done a couple small tweaks, like color matching the frame of the device to the color of the glass. But hey, you know, th- you're, you're not buying this phone because it looks good. Um is what I'm going to say. And there are special titanium colors for the S24 Ultra, but they all just look like darker, less vibrant versions of the other colors on the regular models. And it's just like, I don't just like the iPhone pros. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. It's not like, I, I think they look, it sounds better in your head than it does in person than it looks in person. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So judging from our write-ups guys, it does seem like not surprised here. AI is kind of the forefront feature generative, a generative AI in these phones how how is that being applied? Um, and so it, it, basically you're looking at what Google did for the Pixel 8. Is Samsung basically did their own take on that, you know, pretty much across the board for the S24 series. And I think Sherlyn and I have some some different different feelings about this whole big push into AI because, uh, you know, just get it out of the way real quick. Aside from the new AI features, and obviously there's a new Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 chip that's powering all these, so you're getting better performance and better uh, for power Galaxy, for Galaxy, <laughs> for Galaxy, yeah, and, and all that. So you know that's that's nice. But aside from that, there's the hardware is very, very, very similar. You know, there's a slight change in the S24 Ultra's camera, the telephoto lens. It's now a 5x optical zoom instead of a 10x optical zoom. Though Samsung says you can do some pixel binning and some AI, you know, kind of enhancement. So you still get, quote unquote, 10x optical quality zoom. That kind of remains to be seen how that, you know, really fares. But yeah, it's really all about the AI. And so we're talking about, you know, a couple big main areas of AI. There's photo enhancement, which comes into play with uh, editing, uh, you know, doing your magic lasso around subjects, dragging and dropping them, and using AI to generate, you know, missing elements Kind of like, you know, content-aware filter on Photoshop. There's also chat assist, which includes, like, uh, note summarization and live translation and some tone correction stuff for, like, texting and emailing. Um, And then there's the new big new circle to search feature, which is kind of a joint thing between Samsung and Google, 
which That's allows cool. yeah, yeah. It, it this is you know it's nice um, and it allows you to basically just search or highlight pretty much anything on the screen and then have Google do a lookup. You can, you know, search images as well. So it's kind of like a combination between your traditional Google search and Google Lens and kind of mm-hmm. putting, yeah, yeah. making it easier to use and very, very simple to use um, without needing to know how to do special queries or visual well, lookups and stuff like that. It's also like integrated within the experience, which I like, because if you want to do Lens or if you want to do like a Google image search, which you can do, you have to take a photo of something, then you have to go to the app or Google or whatever and then upload the image and then it like figures it out. Whereas if I'm just browsing around, I'm like, hey, what is this? What is this thing in this ad? Uh, can I get more info on this? And just tap it and circle it. That's pretty cool. I could actually see Apple stealing this feature at some point. It's genuinely useful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, And, and I think... It's a nice way to, like you said, make it easier to access, you know, the power of their internet. But I don't think it fundamentally changes, you know, the way you use your phone. It's a very nice quality of life feature is the way I look at it, especially in terms of circle to search. Gotcha. So this is like a half step year upgrade for Samsung, basically. Are any of these AI features going to be like going to the older phones? Yes. uh, We actually just got confirmation yesterday that uh, the AI features, they haven't told us exactly if it's all of the features or some of them, depending on like the capabilities of the device, will get ported to all the 2023 flagships. So your S23, your Tab S9, um, and, and that includes the Z Flip 5 and the Z Fold 5 and the S23 FE. So basically, if you bought one of Samsung's phones from last year, you should get at least some of these AI features uh, before the first half of this year. Um, I just think that's nice because, hey, it, anyone who has like a year old phone or less doesn't want to be pressured into being like, oh, now I have FOMO and I got to upgrade. Like, okay, that's cool. I have I have some fairly like long winded thoughts about this. I kind of kind of quickly. Want I was going to say because is- I think we have slightly different <laughs> takes on this whole push yeah. into AI, and you got kind of spicy about it in your hands on. <laughs> I mean, don't we love a little spicy, Shirley? We gotta be but, spicy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I will say, Sam, you said like these are like things that Google has been doing as like since the Pixel Eight, and I would like to like. Remind you both and our audience. I think Google's been doing this since it introduced Tensor. Um, some of these features, especially. So oh, that's like, sure. and, then, and then wait before that, if you talk about the assistant Absolutely. in general. Exactly, exactly. I mean, generative AI, sure, like using you know the assistant to summarize things, that sort of thing. Yes, Pixel Eight. But like, if you talk about the like translation within the keyboard stuff, that's all Tensor brought since 2016. Um, not to like be be like fact checky or whatever. It's more like I, I, Google has been doing this a while. Is my point? You're right. You are and, correct. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I wrote that uh, from and my hands I was like, like, just, uh, so For the record, real quick, um, all of the new AI features happen on device except for yes. Circle to Search. Exactly. So so that's the other thing. Uh, and Sam Riley points it out. So it's not only happening on device, but it's also like Samsung's own software other than Circle to Search. Circle to Search is a Google feature that Samsung is integrated into its phones. But like everything else here is performed by Samsung's own software. Gauss is their generative AI model, G-A-U-S-S. Apparently, it's pronounced Gauss. Um, and so I just want to focus on... There's a few demos that I took at the hands-on that I thought were really interesting, especially the chat assist one. I think, Sam, you rightly pointed out to me that I needed to go and get time with this. And absolutely, you were right. <laughs> the In chat assist, you have three options. You can get the um, AI to like translate your language, do spelling and error check, but also tone like tr- like tone assist or something. Like Basically, rewrite... <laughs> What you've typed, right? And uh-huh. so basically Amazon Halo, except not prescriptive, just like suggestive. Well, suggestive. Huh. Um, but for example, I, I typed out, and this is the, the example I mentioned in my hands-on. I was like, 
hey, uh, where can I get some sweet, sweet barbecue? And then like during my hands-on, I don't think this was ever in the video like that we shot, like it didn't get make it into the final cut. But during my hands-on, every little thing I would say would be flagged as like inappropriate or offensive. <laughs> so be like, well, I think, I think I, that's maybe, just right. maybe that's saying just something correct. about you more than something about the AI. But con- well, continue. okay. So at the start, I was typing like, "What up, mofo?" You know, and then they were like, "Not nah, too inoffensive. Can't translate this for you. Can't can't do any tonuses." But then I like toned it down, and I was like, "Hey there, where can I get some sweet sweet barbecue?" And even like sweet sweet barbecue was like too, too suggestive. Offensive. Apparently, I'm too sexy for a Samsung. I was gonna say, I, I think the AI might know you very well. Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually trained on every Samsung phone you've already previewed. It's like, oh, I know her. This this girl's in front of they, me. They now. felt yeah. me walking she, up. She, but she, I, she was I, not actually talking about a barbecue. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. So I want to like quickly blaze through the rest of this this particular one because I want to actually talk about something else. So so Chad assist like then you know take, took that and was like in the formal version or in the professional version they translated it to like it suggested hello. I would like to inquire about the whereabouts of delectable barbecue options in the vicinity. Additionally, I would like, it just was quite funny. Um, please go read the hands-on for the like full transcript of like a few of these other options, like casual, emojify, and social, which was like painful, but they inserted the hashtags BBQ lover and hashtag foodie. And I was like, wow, oh, this sucks, but damn, you're correct though, right? So anyway, that's Chattis's. The experience I want to bring up, and I kind of want to like, play out for for you guys and for our audience is uh translation the live translate tool that i know sam you also took a demo of and you got that on video for us um so basically this is a feature where if you call someone in a different country say your uber pickup person or your foreign like language restaurant you can hit the live translate option and like this computerized voice similar to google's duplex will translate what you're saying um and you select the language or have auto detect or something and so i did this and basically you're if it works it's supposed to go sherlin you know calling restaurant right uh but when the phone connects when the call clicks it will be like Speaking in the other person's language, hola, um, explanation in Spanish about how this is a computer doing translations, right? Okay, cool. So very similar to duplex, which is like, you know, hey, someone's using a robot assistant to talk to you. Okay, cool. So then I go, hi. And then the, supposedly it should work. Me saying hi, phone, Samsung phone says hola. Other person says hola back and Samsung phone tells me hello, right? That, that's how it should go. My experience went, hi. Other person goes, hola computer goes hola and computer goes hi so it was like very much like the the delay was really bad and the other person clearly understood me to the point where they were already answering to me so it was like it was just this weird confusion situation and i i I walked out and talked to so many samsung people about it i was like first you got to get your actors on the right script like wait (laughs) for the machine to talk before answering that too but then i was like in the real world no restaurant maitre d or manager is gonna have the time to wait a lag like two three seconds for that translation to happen they'd be like i'm done bye you know i also i wonder if you would do longer phrases because i feel like any you I, go I, anywhere you say hi or, i did you know yeah so what what did longer things sound like so, so longer was also the same where i was okay. like hello can i make a reservation for tonight pause the other person goes si y cuantro a que hora and i was like I didn't understand any of that. And then I had to hear my translated words go through and then I could hear their translated words come back to me. And and it was a lot of waiting around. The like rhythm is very like, you have to be so precise and careful about the cadence. 
during our demo, I don't think it's the best like real world testing. Obviously, Sam and I are going to try this out when we get the S24s in uh, and see if it works. And Sam, do you remember where they said it would work? Like, was it in the US only or was it like everywhere? Um, I don't remember. They, they said it's like, you know, between 11 or uh, 17 different languages. Um, and I don't, I'm not, they, they, a lot of the messaging for like these events is like, they'll tell us how it pertains to the US, but not how it pertains to the like globally. So we, we don't, we just don't have all of that info just yet, but yeah. So, so anyway, point being, uh, the translation seemed accurate. I mean, like I couldn't like see any Mandarin translation happening, so I couldn't like gauge how effective or accurate the translations were. But like to point out, this is Samsung's translation engine, not a Google Translate, which we're all so used to, or even Microsoft, which has been doing Translate for a while. Yes. This is Samsung, Samsung. has to build its own thing. I, I hate this. Like I hate like when Samsung does this stuff because we're like, okay, we can't use Google's thing. We have to do our own thing. And this is the breakdown of Android, right? Like if Google could get everybody on the same page to do like a thing together, it could be a nice cohesive experience, but Samsung going to Samsung. Yeah. yeah. Like so, you can't stop it. And, yeah. and I want to say, I think that was kind of your issue a, a little bit, Sherlyn, is that like you felt Samsung is doing a lot of just like copying of, of what uh, Google has already done. And you were like kind of fed up with it a little bit. Right. So Sam like uh, is bringing up this point that I was talking to him about, uh, yesterday where i felt maybe i was a little too harsh on my hands on where like no maybe, i think that's totally you know, fair I, actually yeah well near the end i was like look i'm so sick of samsung just jumping on trends but sam had a very good point of like maybe they'll get left behind if they don't try their own thing i mean sam i'll leave you to expand on your point yourself but for me i'm just like this is a company that was like squad awesome fam iconic like you know two years ago or three years ago and was like yeah bixby listen assistance and 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 then like yeah, we can do scene optimizer and telephoto and just 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 keeps copying. Every train. I mean, right? didn't they have streamers? Uh, wasn't wasn't Mr. Beast? Oh my on god, the thing? Pokemon! Po Pokemon! <laughs> Pokemon! Yeah, it, I know it's Pokemon. I'm making yeah. fun of the guy who said. Oh, he Pokemon. said Pokemon. On yes, the keynote. I, okay. Yeah, I didn't watch the whole keynote because... Good no for you. you. <laughs> I'm proud of you shouldn't have. Read my live vlog because I actually do make fun of the guy pronouncing it Aww, wrong too. But anyway. Poor guy. Um, I, 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 it, is, it feels a little bit like trend hopping, but maybe I'm too critical of this. There might be a more reasonable explanation yeah. that I mean, they're Sam desperate. They're desperate. But Sam, I do want to know what you think about Samsung yeah. basically rehashing a lot of this stuff from Google and others. Yeah. So I, I think... I'm not as annoyed by the the approach as Sherlyn, and I kind of see this as a perspective of Samsung was kind of forced into doing this because of what we've seen from Google, and they can't afford to like completely miss out. So they're at a point where they have to invest some time into their own AI capabilities, and we're kind of seeing that. And this kind of also goes to show, like you know, Sherlyn was mentioning, you know, Samsung's speech, the the uh, AI speech felt a little stilted. And this is kind of one of those things where Google has been beating the drum about natural language recognition, natural language speech from devices. And I think that's one of those things that it's hard to quantify, but when you hear it, you immediately know there's a big difference in uh, language capabilities. And then second of all, I really think that in terms of, you know, Samsung had to do this. And I think it's not necessarily a mistake to try to develop their own models because I think they are going to need them at some point down the line. But if you look back to like, you know, earlier this or last year, we were talking about, you know, 
Microsoft's talking about ChatGPT, and then Bard just suddenly showed up. And I think this is sort of like Samsung's response to feeling the pressure of everybody talking about AI and how we're entering the AI era. And so they felt like a need to respond in order to like lay some of the groundwork for that thing. It's just a little disappointing to see that they they didn't get as much done on the hardware front. I think it's a good first effort from Samsung, but like it's unless you're really into AI, it's going to be a hard sell for people looking for a new phone. I think my question is like, why? Sure, Samsung had to do something, but why do they have to do their own thing, right? Because I've been covering these these devices since they launched the Galaxy phones, right? And it's always been about Samsung never quite following like what Google is doing exactly and trying to do their own thing. And it's like, guys, you were the premier Android phone maker. Just focus on that. Like, let, be a partner to Google and like, like right, work exactly. with them. You know, so me, so so that that's so like basically the point that I I I was thinking since like Sam started talking was just like it's in such an awkward position, right? Samsung and Google, they're both in weird positions where they're both partners and in competition, and so like you have Samsung here, we have our own language model, but like, yeah, Hiroshi, come on stage, talk with us <laughs> about Circle <laughs> uh -huh. to Search. Uh, meanwhile, no, screw you. We're not going to use your language models for transit. We're going to use our Gauss because we Korean, you know, we know Korean. And like just, I I mean, they didn't say that. Clearly, that's not the I reason. I think that's part, it was part just, is Samsung is like a major national like star for Korea, for South Korea too, right? And they want to do things themselves when they can. Yeah, I, 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 that's I, just I like was, a, a tiny a bit of like the pride element. It's like we don't, we, we think yep. we can do it. We don't need to rely on outside yeah, sources for all of our, our, our software. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just weird uh, that Samsung and Google are like this because we see what great things they can do when they do collaborate. Sure. We see that they, when Google and Samsung had to team up on Wear OS four or four point five, right? They like had to. They eventually do seem to come to terms with the fact that one of them is really good at hardware and some of the software, and one of them is just only good at the software, and yeah. they can collaborate. And it can it can bear fruition. It just is. It takes them some time to figure out what that partnership looks like because they're it's both just having so to protect their own. I, I feel like this is like another. Another side of the innovator's dilemma thing. It's more like the uh, I, what do you call it? The the leader's stubbornness or something. Like you're being stubborn like a mule because you refuse to do this thing, which could make you both better because you think you could do it on your own. And meanwhile, Apple's out here with their fully integrated platform where they control you know top to bottom everything, which is good and bad, right? Good let's and bad. Not, let's, but let's be real here, yeah. I don't like looking like looking at something like the Vision Pro, and when we start talking about that. I do feel like a product like that is possible because it is such a full combination of everything Apple is doing. Like I no other I don't think any other company could do something like that that's well that's as well integrated. Meanwhile, you're never going to make your own phone platform, Samsung. You're not going to I don't think Samsung's going to do anything separately with these natural language models. Are you going to put in their TVs or their laptops? Meanwhile, they're going to be using Windows. They're going to be using other platforms, you know, for even their TVs. I feel like Google is the natural partner there and they're just kind of holding each other apart. But go ahead, Sam. Go well, ahead, speaking sure. about yeah. Samsung's other devices, there was one more thing at the event. But before we jump to that, I want to see if Sam had any like wrap up thoughts about yeah, the phones. Yeah, uh, I will just say that like aside from the language stuff, I was actually kind of like mildly impressed by the photo editing features. Um, there's a lot of, you know, very simple like circle to highlight and move subjects around. And some of the uh, edit suggestion features I thought were actually pretty slick because all you have to do is you go on, you know, you click, you go on the gallery app, click on a picture, 
And the phone will automatically look for, hey, do we see shadows? Do we see reflections? Is it a portrait? And if you do with it, you press, you press the info button and you can say, remove shadows, uh, remove reflections. And that was actually really, really seamless. And that's the kind of stuff that I like because it's taking something that would take a lot more time to do if you were manually editing it and kind of streamlining it. And it was relatively effective. There was one part where, like, I was moving, uh, like, a skateboarder around and, like, his foot kind of looked a little weird and, like, it missed part of his ankle. But, you know, it's AI that's kind of expect. And it was actually some of the generative stuff actually felt a little bit more performant on the uh, S24 than, say, the Pixel 8. Um, so we'll see, you know, Qualcomm was talking a big game about the NPUs on the Snapdragon 8 Gen 3. Maybe that was, like, you know, one example of it. So we'll, we'll kind of see how it is. It's, you know... But in terms of hardware, not a ton has changed. Slightly bigger batteries uh, on the S24 and S24 Plus. Um, slightly newer camera, uh, you know, on the S24 Ultra plus that tiny titanium frame. But it's really all about the AI. Mm -hmm. Samsung slightly is slightly brighter screens, right? Twenty six hundred yeah. nits. Right, uh, slightly Was brighter that? screens, and then we we did see a quick clip of the Vision Booster, which adds another three hundred perceived nits of brightness. Not actual like full nits, but perceived. Just if you want to stare at the sun in your hand, you can you can just look at that. I want to point out uh, Samsung said that they are pledging seven years of support for these yeah. phones, uh, just like the new Pixel. So love, that is love a to nice see trend. Yep. Love, love to see it. Yeah. This is the kind of trend that I think anyone can be like, yes, more people should copy this. No one's ever going to make fun of you for copying yes. Google for doing seven years back last fall. Well, it's also because of exactly. California law, too. Like, I think that is a thing. Absolutely. <laughs> California is pushing companies to do that as well. Good job, regulators. Good um, job. I, I will. I want to I want to really quickly uh, just highlight the fact that, like, as we're talking about Google copying Google, whatever. Um, Sam, when I walked into the hands on space with you. I must admit that I showed up to the hands-on a little lost as to what to expect because the <laughs> briefing was a week ago. I had flown two different planes or whatever, um, and it was like called Magic Editor in the corner. Is that really the feature name? Because that is exactly what Google names it. Yeah. I mean, I don't... Okay, so... It, you know what? I'm, I'm actually okay if they want to both call it Magic Editor because it's one less thing for me to remember, and they do the same thing, so fine. It's like, it's basically the same feature. Might as well have the same Sure. Name. But that was confusing for me because I walked in. And I was like, oh, all right. Why is Samsung showing off a Google feature in like a dedicated corner of the room? Like it was a big deal. And I was like, okay, did I miss something? <laughs> I was like, all right. And it turns out it's no, it's Samsung's own take. So I was just like confused. But okay. Samsung had one more device. Uh, and I, I will say you, you mentioned that, uh, Devendra, you weren't sure if like Samsung was going to rely on its own language models for its other devices. Is it bringing it to its TVs? And I believe at CES, Samsung did mention Galaxy AI was coming to some of its other devices right. as I well. Assume. I assume, yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. Yes, they did after like a lot of teasing about like Samsung Health, make small changes every day. Samsung Health's got great at Galaxy AI integrations coming soon. It just was like, by the way, new form factor, and then shows us like a, a render of a ring. Um, I believe some people at the San Jose event got to see this ring. Uh, we opted not to go because we got the sense that, uh, a spidey sense, if you will, that we would not be um, able to touch and, it for yeah, ourselves. No, no one got to actually use the ring uh, at the event. No one actually got any good uh, time or, or actual, yeah, anyway right, so uh, what, what but, is it supposed to be what is the ring supposed to be and what did we see yesterday because it was kind of hilarious yes. to be honest so google te uh, google samsung yeah. teased up the galaxy ring it is a wearable you wear it on your finger it can i mean presumably because samsung said nothing it can presumably work with samsung health right to do sleep tracking because sleep was a big thing that 
that Samsung kept talking about. Um, it can presumably do heart rate tracking because that will tie into the sleep and sleep apnea thing. And like, that's it. <laughs> cool. It, it's basically the aura ring, but it looks a little sleeker in my opinion. Sam, did you catch anything else? Like, did I miss anything? No, I mean, the, you know, Samsung talked a lot of, a lot of talk about Samsung health and, you know, fitness tracking and, you know, having, being able to provide alerts. And then they kind of segued that into, hey, here's a Galaxy Ring. It looks a lot like the Aura Ring. Design is very, very slightly <laughs> different, but a ring's a ring, okay? You're not really differentiating yourself on ring design. Um, and then they said, hey, it we'll, we'll have more to talk about later this year. And then they kind of disappeared off in the night. I was making it's just it, a render, too. It wasn't even a device they held yeah, up, Yeah, right? I, I, I was yeah. making a joke in our live blog that, like, they pulled the uh, the Sailor Moon tuxedo mask meme, <laughs> or he comes out, he comes down, swoops his cape, makes a big yeah. to-do, and then disappears. Like, oh, Thanks, Galaxy Ring. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out. We're we good. love you, Galaxy Ring. My job here is done. Um let me just point out, I'm going to put my put my cards on the table right here. This form factor is terrible. It's a, Really? It's not. Do you guys wear rings regularly? No. I mean, aside, aside from a wedding ring, um, yeah, I don't but wear wedding rings. Ring, even, even I don't like, I sometimes when I go out, I wear the wedding ring, but I don't always because I don't like it. It is super uncomfortable to have something in your fingers at all times. Um, Sherry, you hate going to sleep with gadgets. Imagine the thing just like grasping no, see, around your... It, but it that's is why more I've been intrigued. Watch. Yeah. Really? Yes. I mean, it, I think it differs from person to person. I you think can, my so issue is. So you with... can relax a watch. Here's my thing you can relax a watch. You can like shift it up and down. You can move it around a little. A ring is stuck in your fingers. Yeah. Over the day, I sometimes sweat. I, I feel know, like this might annoying. be slightly due to you hating rings in general. You you know you said you don't wear a ring. I mean, I, it's I don't not have a great form factor. Yeah, I don't I don't have an issue with the idea of a ring itself. I think it's actually good to like, hey, if you are not a smartwatch person, then you can wear a ring. I think that's like the but like to prop it up as anything more than that. I'm not sure. I feel like that's probably getting a little bit too ahead of itself. It also does exactly what the smartwatch does, doesn't it? Basically. Not exactly, it's because not a smartwatch can do a bit it's more. Actually. Very similar. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're still missing details on what the ring exactly does. But I think I think the intent is to do it should have very similar features or, you know, kind of still waiting to see if it has any distinguishing features that, you know, a Samsung smartwatch might not. Um, but yeah. So, look, I, I think that a ring to me, Devendra, when you said that, like, I hate wearing gadgets to sleep, that's why a ring stands out to me as potentially being more comfortable because it's a lot smaller and i understand your concerns no have, but i'm anything. asking have you tried wearing a ring like i regular? have not and i i have an aura ring that i just haven't put on mm. because i've been like too busy with other things yeah. so i'm gonna try that out soon just try but it. my big problem mm -hmm. with rings is that like in general when i wash my hands i always have to take a ring off and yep. like it just that's where it becomes cumbersome for me because well, you, then i wait for my you just gotta to get dry. used to taking washing hands with your ring on yeah sure you do. I, that, that now could it's be, electronic that could be it now it's right, electronic so there's yeah We'll see. And I'm sure in a later episode of this podcast, I'll come back with like my actual thoughts. And But here's the thing, though. Where Aura it, it has a shortcoming that I think Samsung might be able to address, and Sam, you and I talked about this on the live blog, I think that if Samsung just does away with the subscription model that Aura is doing right now, that alone will appeal to all the people that are wearing Auras right now that are fed up with paying the subscription fee. Can you guys quickly Aura tell us what does the Aura do? It does sleep tracking, right, and some health stuff? Yep. So the Aura Ring is basically a, a ring packed with sensors, mostly a heart rate sensor, and it does, yeah, you know, 
all the step tracking. It does like heart rate tracking when you're working out. It does like sleep tracking. Um, and that's pretty much it. Th that's where it differs from a smartwatch is that a smartwatch also has a screen for you to like get notifications. And of course you can get like, I'm sure some small vibration notifications uh, on the Aura Ring as well, but it's not as comprehensive or sophisticated than, you know, a, a smartwatch with a screen can do. Uh, Aura did reach out and send me a statement about the Galaxy Ring uh, saying that it's been founded over a decade ago. It's invested relentlessly in service of creating the best smart uh -huh. that gives everybody a voice. Th there's a missing word in its um, <laughs> statement, but cool. Um, and so, and so, according to Aura's statement, Aura has the strongest IP portfolio for the smart ring form factor uh, in both hardware and software. So they're I don't, make of that what you will about uh -huh, what they think uh -huh. Samsung's gonna do. What um, you're telling me is Aura sent on a press release be saying, "Hey, we saw what Samsung did. We okay, and, we, and we okay. let's yeah. move on." I mean, more yeah, competition yeah. is good. I'm not saying there's no like for, there's no audience for this thing. I'm just saying it is. I think it's even less than the audience for a smartwatch because a smartwatch at least you get a display, you could do things with it. These things are just going to be basically like little little passive sensor buddies that will communicate with your phone. And yeah, the more people wear rings over time, like it is, it is, it can get super annoying if you're if you get like bloated during the day or something, and your body changes when you're sleeping. It is annoying. It's con it's constricting. Oh, like yeah. I can tell you, I can definitely not wear the aura when I'm weightlifting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's gonna like press into my fingers. I can't. That's or or the galaxy ring. So like I get that, and it's not gonna be the best like um, workout buddy for me. If you're running, maybe, but like lifting heavy things, no. Gripping onto handlebars, probably not. So there's definitely specific audiences for this. I will say I I I don't disagree with anything like any of the the negatives about rings either. You just said. I will say that this is like sort of a trend that we've been seeing a little bit uh, and it's been growing in that like I think there's an appetite for gadgets that don't look like gadgets. And so Samsung, the, the Frame TV is probably the best example of this where you can have something, it looks like a piece of art on your wall and that's great. And then at CES, or the we frame saw, speaker. Right, we yeah, saw the, the music know. frames, which is the same thing, but for speakers. And so, hey, you have art on your wall, but it's also a pretty good sounding speaker. That. And so for people who yeah. don't want a screen on their wrist, AKA a smartwatch, I'm kind of on board with the whole idea of, hey, you have a ring, it's a health and fitness monitor, and that's all it needs to be. And I'm okay with that. Granted, that's not for everybody, but, you know, I don't I don't have any major oppositions to I that, just, that thing tech. in theory. If you already, and for the people who already have smartwatches or fitness trackers, it's like, I don't, you're just double upping the thing on your hand for no reason. Right. I, I, I think in that yeah. case, it's more of an either or situation. You're like, I want my smartwatch or I want my ring. There's no need for both. That is weird. One thing I will say, it'd be cool if there was like programmable NFC or something. So it's like walking to work, tap into your building, you know, or something like that. Or oh, man, I, I would okay. love to replace so my, there was like, a company that did with that. A, yeah. with a ring. There was a company that did that. Like, I want to say five years ago. It was I one remember. of my earliest meetings at Engadget, right? Yeah, they did like MTA, like uh, payment and also like building entry things, like with working with Vernado. And then they disappeared. Then and they, that's the problem with a lot of Because it's hard to do because you have to authenticate identity with it Everything. too so it has to be paired with your phone if somebody figures that out and makes it per like also i'm doing biometrics often to log into our work stuff our work emails and also log into my windows account so there is like a need for better biometrics that could be cool in a ring format i don't know well listeners let us know what you think are you excited for the galaxy ring or smart rings in general like are rings? you using yeah. an aura ring tell us what your experience is podcast at engadget.com 
Okay, Sherlyn. So talking about upcoming devices, I feel like the Samsung stuff is reachable for many people. The Vision Pro is not. The Vision Pro, you know, is a $3,500 headset. It's going to be up for pre-orders, probably as people are listening to this right now. It's going to have a very limited market from what we're hearing, but you finally got to try it out. I'm so oh happy gosh. for you. All aboard the hype train. I... I, okay, so some backstory, because you know I love my backstory. I got a call. Sam was with me. I got a call from Apple. I don't even know how much I can talk about these things <laughs> publicly. <laughs> you got the word at CES, right? I got a heads yeah. up. Uh -huh. uh, let's frame it more vaguely. I got a heads up at, at CES during the middle of a meeting. I had to step out and take it. And I was just like, cool, going to be in New York uh, and doing this thing. Uh, so then that's when my excitement really started. I think you and I had talked on the podcast before about how that I had never gotten a chance to experience this, finally got a chance to. Uh, and then, you know, we, us and The Verge were the two outlets that really had our hands-ons up at the time of the 1 p.m. Uh, embargo. Uh, and and <laughs> dirty word. Uh, Dana and I, Dana came back from a day off, like, to do this. And I, like, you know, this was the first thing I did after CES. You know what I mean? Like, it was CES on Friday. Yeah. So, like, a high-pressure holiday. On. Yeah. And then Tuesday, first thing in the morning, Vision Pro hands-on. It was kind of like, I kind of had a break, but not really. Yeah. Or anyway. Yeah. So, so but I just want to impress upon you, like, how important this felt, right? Um, because we're also, A, leading up so close to the actual, like, not only just pre-orders, but the actual launch of the Vision Pro on February 2nd, uh, that this felt like it was going to be really, like, final, what people would be buying, what people would be seeing in the real world. We would be seeing a lot more of the, like, actual um, applications and things like eyesight, which I think people hadn't seen before. Um, really, really hype. I got up early. I was just like, never, let's never miss this. Uh, and Dana and I wrote out a hands-on, um, which has been like recirculated everywhere. Uh, and also cool thing is Apple, like not only allowed us to take photos, but basically was like, we're going to take the photo for you. This is the first time um, people could take photos while wearing the Vision yes, Pro as well. So that's exactly. interesting. Okay. Which also means that they're pretty like happy with the final yeah, ha yeah, hardware yeah. look, which is why they're happy with it, you know, being published. And so us and like, uh, you know, the Verges, Neelai and Victoria, as well as, you know, people like Marquez and uh, a lot of people around the internet got their pictures taken. It was cool though, when I read back all the um, republished you know, like roundups of, you know, Vision Pro hands-ons round two, right? A lot of people picked up on a few things I said and Dana said, and, and to me, some stood out. Um, definitely everyone was using the fact that I said I was in pain yeah. to like headline their like roundups, right? Either it was excessively bad, like twisting my words a little bit to be like, oh, Outlook bad for Vision Pro because, you know, reviewers in pain. And I was like... I didn't say that. I straight up said it was really good. I was in pain because I didn't ask earlier for the strap. But um, what to set the scene for y'all and to like start from the beginning, when you put on the Vision Pro, the initial strap you're going to get is the one that has been seen in all the pictures, which is the, oh, well, most of the pictures now, um, which is the one that just sits on the back of your head with a big like spongy pad there. It looks very um, simple. It, it looks like it takes one strap yeah. to hold this giant thing in your head. Right. Is this so solo easy. rear strap. Right. And and that's not uh, not what I've usually worn <laughs> for headsets, right? Usually the, they need that top strap. So, but what happened was I thought that was fine. I adjusted it with the twisty knob on the right side to make it tighter to my face. And, you know, they're like, oh, make sure it's tight and whatever. And I think a combination of me trying to make it tight so that it wouldn't slip down my hair, um, plus the fact that it wasn't like weight distributed the way I wanted it to be caused me to in 15 minutes really like start to hurt yeah and in 20 minutes 
like five minutes later, I was just like in so uh, much. I, I was in pain to the point of like wanting to cry, and and I have a history of wanting to cry when my head feels clamped. So there's it's not really too like, much pressure on your around your eyes. True. Clearly, yeah, exactly. It was like my front of my face was just bad, and I was getting a headache. And I think I had the worst reaction of everyone, maybe because I'm just like more sensitive and a bit of a drama queen. But like, accurate. I, I, the, oh, the, uh, yes accurate the other time i had this experience was when i was like riding a motorbike and like i was wearing a helmet that was not made for me it was like a smaller size and like i i, I went a half hour like not saying anything even though i was in pain and then finally stopping getting off the bike and i was like crying and my oh. boyfriend was like what's wrong <laughs> he's like why are you crying i was like because i'm in pain he's like oh shit could have said something sooner. That's like that's just me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just want to point out. I did said did I was Apple in pain. give you the top strap thing? Because we talked about this when Finally, I tried it on Sherlin. Exactly. There, yeah. there is like a weird communication gap where Apple is just like, oh, you could just walk around with this thing with one strap, and it's a magical device, and it'll comfortably sit in your head. But clearly, in my demo, they also had the top strap. I don't believe I used it, but it was an optional thing. And uh, I tried it on. Yeah. I, f- I feel top like strap, much better. I feel like Apple knows it's yes. way more comfortable yes. with that yes. top strap. Yes. But, but it doesn't show. look it doesn't look as good. And so yes. they would prefer everyone to at least try it without the top strap. And then if you really want it, you have to ask for it. It looks like every other VR head strap with the top strap is the thing. And they don't want to look like that. They want to be Apple. They want it, to be and better. It's, it, I, it, I will fully admit it doesn't look as pretty either. Like I, they, they, they're, they, that is definitely true. But you know, you can't get around the fact that you need to distribute that weight a little bit better, which is why all the other headsets have a have a top strap. Gotcha. So, Sherlyn, what did you actually do in the Vision Pro? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> okay. So, I think the things that I did that Davindra maybe you didn't get to do were like check out the Disney Plus immersive environment. Yeah, didn't exist. Which yeah. Placed me in the Avengers Tower, tower, and then in a land speeder in the Tatooine like landscape, which is really cool. Um, very immersive. I looked around. I saw like a takeout container from Shawarma Grill next to me, which <laughs> uh-huh. was like nice. What do you uh-huh. call the Hulk Buster suit? Like, is that is that the name? It's for the it? Hulk. Yeah, it's just yeah. a Hulk Buster suit. Yeah, Hulk Buster. Okay, so the Hulk Buster suit was to my left, and then like, I looked around. I was where like they were having that party where they were all trying to lift Thor's hammer. Uh-huh. I mean, like uh-huh. that's the Avengers. It'd be cool if Thor's hammer was just like sitting there in the back. Yeah, like for me to lift, yeah, right? It would yeah. be no, but Thor's hammer wasn't there. Mjolnir wasn't there. But I was looking out right out of Avengers Tower. Behind me was a living room space. It just it felt so good. It looked. I looked around and like wow, you you weren't kidding about the resolution. Like I said in my hands on, I saw no pixels. Like even the Oculus Quest, like I I I have the the two right. It still was like not nearly as good as this. The fidelity. These are of this micro one. OLED screens, so these are the finest screens yeah. ever made in terms of like fidelity so good. resolution. Yeah, so immersive. We also checked out immersive uh v- video, which is a new format that I believe Apple just launched. It's called Apple Immersive Video. Um, we had like Alicia Keys kind of like coming right up to my face and singing. I could almost like you know basically smell her breath. Um, Please no. I, I saw rhinos. I know charging at me. Um, then I think another one that was like really a cool use case that stood out was meditation, um, is using the mindfulness app that you can already find on your Apple watch or phone, um, and launching like a minute long meditation. But here's the thing, doing it with a headset on is surprisingly like better. <laughs> like you actually get to drown out all distractions. That's you true. actually block it actually, out. It probably like centers your posture a little bit too. Cause you have to balance the thing. Maybe, I don't know. Sure, it could be that, but it's also the fact that it just dims your environment to black, right? Yes, and then only yes. the, the little like 
animated cloud in front of you is glowing and then it bursts and then all these leaves are floating around you and it's playing soothing music and by the way the speaker was surprisingly good like i could hear very clearly um that combined with the glow combined with the fact that i was sitting on a couch at like 9 a.m and sleepy just everything felt so soothing right but, but so did it feel more soothing than like on a quest three i think that's the qu the question that would be the good one exactly so i would say like I, that i need to do a meditation comparison to say on a quest but surprisingly enjoyed like meditation on a vr headset wasn't expecting that um i also got to try out the floating keyboard and this is i think a point of contention um for a lot of people out there now so the floating keyboard is this virtual keyboard that like it's, I said, floats in front of you when you need to type. You can either use the, the standard navigation method, which is you look at things with your eyes and then you select them by tapping your finger. The eye tracking together. is so good. Yeah. Eye tracking is so... It's to the point where like I actually told Apple afterwards, I was like, maybe you should need a you need to give me a bit more visual feedback when something's selected, like maybe something as ugly as a white ring around it because like I didn't even know I was looking at something to select it. But then I had to look away and look back to make sure... I was like, like actually like something was selected, but anyway, then I tap. So you can do that with the keys, but you can also reach out and try to touch those keys uh, in the virtual environment. And, th and this will actually work. Like, so I reached out for the S and I pressed down and I had to reach very far away because the keyboard was floating too far away from me. You could pull it closer um, to you, can't you? Exactly. Yeah. I could have pulled yeah. it closer to me, but I didn't know this during the demo. I was just like trying. So I typed in gadget.com. I had no problem. I know Dana struggled to get the word and gadget because you out, have to I, you have to poke at it you have to poke like imagine there's something in front of you like two type two finger type say, are, are you back to so. like single yes. finger pecking yeah. at the pecking, keyboard pecking like yes. a typewriter yeah. absolutely you have to do that you can't do like qwerty you can't do like touch typing you have to finger point and push um but in in if you can't make that work and i, I will say it's not intuitive for everyone right like i thought it was fine not everyone did but you can also use voice typing. So you can go to, you can, again, look over at the search bar, wait for it to be highlighted, which doesn't take long at all. It's instant. Uh, and then tap and then t voice type or ask Siri. Like it's just so many alternatives. You can also pull in the Bluetooth keyboard and have that be taken into your environment as well. So I didn't see it as a huge issue um, that it's not great. I think it's great for like a passphrase or like a quick short phrase, BRB, that sort of thing. Everything else you would use a regular keyboard uh for i think it's uh um, it, there are different use cases for this thing too right if you're sitting in bed or on the couch watching videos um and we'll talk about where you can watch videos um you're you're not you don't need the full power of a keyboard in front of you at all times but if you're sitting at your desk and doing productivity stuff did you get to try out any of that stuff Sherlyn? like actually see like ipad so apps or sit with it to like work with we it saw we saw iPad apps, we were brought up, like there's this folder on the dock, on the apps dock uh, called compatible apps. So anything that's like, you know, about a million, slightly over a million, they said for iPad apps were compatible and would work. They pulled up some like recipe app. I honestly can't remember offhand right now what exact app they pulled up, but we saw it work. I just didn't get to interact with it. It was more of like a, hey, here, this thing works demo. And um, I did use photos to zoom in. So you do the pinch zoom gesture to zoom into photos. Um, panoramas were really panoramas cool. Panoramas look amazing. Because it's like... Here's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of people apparently try to um, zoom in on panoramas and you can't actually zoom in on panoramas Because it's yet. very big. Yeah. Not yet. It is very big. 
Um, um, but it might eventually. One yeah. thing I wanted to just say, like when you're sitting in productivity mode, they, the assumption is you're sitting at a place where you already have like a keyboard or something. Or if you're doing the, the MacBook mirroring, your laptop's keyboard and trackpad and all will still be there. So it's almost like this thing is like a multifunctional device where when you need the, when you want to sit and type and type out a long email or something, you go to your desk and it'll pair with the keyboard and you can just do it like you do a normal computer. Um, I feel like that's the thing. You're not going to type a super long email from that virtual keyboard that's floating in the air. And I think that's yep, exactly. pretty, that's probably pretty fair. I can imagine eventually like Apple doing a thing where if you snap your fingers, you could get like a split keyboard across each, like each hand and do like a bit of a ghost in the shell air typing thing. Like I'm sure somebody's going to work on something like that, but I, this doesn't seem like a killer problem at this point. Yeah. Oh, no, not at all. I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think that, uh, and I, I do want to get to some things that I uh, stood out to me as being very different from other VR and AR headsets that I've tried on. And I think that's where like you and Sam can really tell me if I'm wrong. But like, A, I haven't tried a VR headset where that like, um, that like mix of the real world and the reality you're looking at is so well done. They're doing the it the blend best. Is so Quest good. 3 almost so, gets there, but this is doing it the best. You're right. Yeah, so so they did the immersive environment thing of like you can put yourself in a vo like in view of a volcano. So like the Haleakala, I think it's the mountain, and you set above the clouds and all of that. Uh, and then we went from like um, using the digital crown to make that uh, immersion view like more opaque or more uh, translucent. And as you do that, you can see like people around you or the tables and chairs around you more or less. But and I don't know if you experienced this, Dev. Did you get the one where like you had what's called people awareness where you can like uh, look at a person as they're talking and they come slightly more into view and then they fade away as you stop. So if you're, if you're in the full immersion, like yes. full VR mode and somebody walks by you and starts to talk to you, like they become like the silhouette, right? You can, you yes. can actually see them and still interact with them kind of seamlessly. That's kind of, that's something. And the longer you look at them, the more of like the more opaque they become in the environment until the point where like I had just the person on my left there, like outline just, fully like stood out like they, they were there in like the mountain with me and then as i stopped looking at them as i turned away from them they faded away that and, is like, some sci-fi stuff yeah it is some sci-fi stuff and then when i was doing the dinosaur experience which this was the part of our hands-on where i was screaming wait 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 Let, let's I, uh let's set this up so i did talk about there was an experience like towards did. the end of the demo where they like set it up where you're in immersive mode and a dinosaur comes through a wall in the room it's kind of amazing and cool and I was like, I was wondering, how much will this dinosaur terrify Sherlyn? Please no, tell no, us no. what terrified you, Sherlyn. Okay, so you also didn't, you left out the fact that there's a start of this demo is them uh, having a butterfly land on your finger. Uh -huh. Okay. One of and, the most peaceful uh, things you can experience in the world. Like when you're why out is it there, peaceful? just like, oh man, look at nature. <laughs> I'm at one with nature with this butterfly on my finger. So. Uh -huh. I will set this up in the sense that it is an impressive tech demo from Apple to be like, we're able to pinpoint where your finger is because of the cameras on our thing. And we're able to have this butterfly land directly on your finger. Motherfucker, <laughs> I don't like butterflies. <laughs> I Why? did not know this about you. I knew about the rats, but now. How did you not there's a know? Whole I do other not level like of butterflies. If, if it's a creature, Sherlyn does not like it. Uh, that probably makes sense. Um, Especially with wings. Okay, so, so, you, so, you know, so here's. Like one Sherlyn, when we were in Computex, I was walking around and like visiting stuff in Taipei. And once one of those giant dragonflies, like the really big oh ones, God. just I looked over and was sitting on my shoulder. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. On your shoulder? On my shoulder. It was like probably six inches wide so Look, 
Now I only wish we that had giant moths in point. Singapore for a bit of time. Anyway, so okay, so this demo, look, I, like I said, is impressive, right? To the point where, like, the butterfly <laughs> actually, like, it felt like my brain could not compute. It was like it landed on my finger. Fight I had or to, flight, like, fight or and, flight. And I had to do this twice because the first time I was sitting too close to the wall or something, so we had to recalibrate. Then they were like, "Sorry to do this to you uh, again," because uh -huh. I was screaming the first time. They were like, "Sorry to make you experience that freaking butterfly sitting on your freaking forefinger again." Nobody I else has ever experienced I, I, being terrified. By I just, yeah. I just love how Apple picked the what is generally the to worst be assumed part. the the most like non-threatening <laughs> thing in the world. People have written poems about how beautiful butterflies are. They're the the symbol of spring. And here Sherlyn is screaming her head off okay. because a harmless okay, little I butterfly would... landed on her finger. No, but you you could see and this again is like part of the hands-on like how good this freaking thing is. Is like it the, the legs. I could see its legs, see legs and yeah. individual hairs on my fingertip. Like it was it they insect legs. You know, like you fry those things and eat them for protein, okay? But you could see the hairs. You don't fry butterflies, but you can see like the hairs. I could see the hairs uh -huh. on these Did legs you? on Did my fingertip. I don't. I close my eyes, Devendra. <laughs> I just looked away. Okay, so that I, is, but I, clearly I, this yeah. is selling how immersive. How are the dinosaurs? Like clearly you remember. Fun. They were cute. The baby dinosaur was so cute. Was, and then like a big one it. sticks its head through the window. That was cute. Yeah, yeah, it was cute. Yeah, cute. I, I stood. Up. I mean, it cute? tried to bite me, so that was scary. It but did like, try to bite you. Yeah. Yeah, but then like I started to stroke its head, and I felt no like you know haptic feedback or anything, uh, obviously. But but uh, I got close enough, and it looked as if my hand was making contact, even though I wasn't. It's nice. He became. He it's started nice. to protect me from the other predator. Yeah. Let me see. Um, Sam. I'm sorry because now now you're the odd one out who's not tried the the Vision Pro yet. Yeah. But how do you feel you like having read Sherlin's hands-ons now? Are you more excited for this thing? Are you like, is this doing what you expect it would do? I so I, I have two thoughts about. It. I, I applaud Apple for making this thing because it like just from what people told me, it seems like yeah. the optics are incredible. It's wild. And and, yeah. and and that as like a you know <clears throat> you know person who loves headsets and all that, I think. Just that right there is a big step up. And then you add in the ability to like, you know, do really seamless people detection and and stuff like that, I think is wonderful. My my like growing frustration is that people keep treating this like it's something that people are going to buy. This is still very much a yeah. developer, a, a, yeah. like a developer focused device. This is not it costs over three thousand dollars. Um thirty five hundred dollars to start with two hundred and fifty six gigabytes of storage, which means there's going to be more expensive ones to get to get five twelve. Oh yeah, terabytes. And, and, and oh then, man. And so you have a lot of people. Like I feel like the expectations for this thing have already way far exceeded what this thing can do. Because like, you know, it's designed to be a standalone device, and then maybe you can in, use it. You know, connect it to a laptop to get some work done. But the whole idea of like it being fully standalone, and you're going to work on this thing for eight hours uh, a day, it, it, it is not meant for that. This is like the device that Apple is creating to have a starting point of how to get to that. And so, and, and this, this actually really bugged me at CES where they're like, I saw a bunch of headlines comparing about like people were coming out with new AR glasses and it goes, so-and-so AR glasses is no match for the vision pro. And it's like, number one, these things are not Duh. competing. So different. Like, yeah. like the vision pro is $3,500. Like I, I checked out a pair of ACES glasses. They were like going to be around $700. Like orders of magnitude more expensive, and like Aces like was very clear. It's like, hey, our glasses are meant to 
provide you with virtual screens so that like you don't want a portable monitor, you can put on a pair of glasses and so they're doing you like have... what Xreal is doing, right? Yes, one hundred percent. Or in or Vuzix has been doing for a long time. And it's like, okay, that's really good. They there there was no intention for like these things to compete. These like the Asus glasses have no AR detection. They're not looking at hand gestures they're not looking it's just at the screen eye on your face right it's really that's and, really and so like yeah. they're I'm, I'm starting to get really frustrated when people just keep comparing things to the vision pro that should not be compared at all this is I'm like we, we is... need the clarity this is why we exist i think people like is the ultimate thing because like there's so many hype beasts out there and like a lot of the influencers yeah are just like really hyping this up but also not being very realistic about what it is and what people should expect i have like personally told people do not buy these things i know you're into vr i know you're like very excited for it but the vision pro is going to be a really cool toy for the first year but this thing is existing right now for developers to get their hands on it and also for the crazy hardcore people who have way too much money to play with it you know I think this is just going to be another status symbol. It's going to be the people who bought the first Teslas. It's going to be the people who have too much money to spend. And then they're going to take photos and post it to Instagram. It's going to be like for creators to like, you know, again, brag about. Uh, Mr. Beast must have been paid money to go on Samsung. He's going to use uh-huh. that money to buy a Vision to Pro. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I mean, listen, Mr. That's Beast takes a sneeze and like he's he's making the money for yeah. for the Vision yeah. Pro. Or Apple might just gift him one because you know. But but here's the thing: it's it's like Sam said. I don't think this is for real pe- real everyday people to use. This is for people who need it for any like sort of hype. Uh, attention generating sort of like they, they work in and being on top of trends or they have way too much money to spend so they're billionaires i mean i wouldn't be surprised if like freaking tesla i mean musk buys one just to like i don't know oh, sure, not get sure. therapy um that sort of thing i don't think you know average joe is looking at the vision I, Pro. it's I think- we gotta we gotta like really center what it is and the whole thing like apple's i do think apple's like pitching a 10-year plan here for whatever their spatial computing thing is and when the first iphone was released it did not have 3g it did not have an app store it didn't even have apps um i think they were all trying to do all web apps for everything so like even native apps like was really low like the iphone transformed into something more useful as they got feedback as the technology improved and then it became like the thing that we know so we got to give the Vision Pro like some time for that, and that's partially why it's so expensive. Uh, we get we got to wrap in this section at some point, but I do want to say, Sherlyn, um, how was watching movies? Because you did test out the 3D movies in the Disney Plus app, right? I was gonna say this. This is like something that I was like still kind of jealous because I want to experience that. Because from what I've heard, uh, it's very engaging, and I think you know this is like the thing that I'm interested the most about, just like how it, you know, develops, uh, delivers really high fidelity experience and a kind of transformative experience. This is not your traditional 2d movie. Then is it, is it going to be a bit disappointing to then find out that what I watched was the Super Mario Bros. 3D I mean, it's movie? It's a good looking, it's a good looking it's a good movie. Avatar. <laughs> it's, it's an okay movie, but did they show you Avatar 2 or anything? Because that's the one no, to look at. that's what I saw. I saw fucking Super Mario Aww. 3D, a trailer. Well, how did, how did it look? Cool. I mean, <laughs> the three D look good. A, like better than the theater. The three D look good. Yeah. I I can tell you this. I haven't seen the Mario movie in a theater. I saw it on Hulu uh-huh. or something. Netflix. Uh, yeah. And I I I I have like a lot of heavy skepticism around three D for like animated films. I'm just like, all right, they drew it a little harder. Like I don't know. <laughs> that's what that's not how it works, Shirley. <laughs> they have to render it another for three D movies. They, they, I know. They drew I know. It harder. And they drew it harder. <laughs> they really. I'm oversimplifying. <laughs> they see. But that's what I saw. I mean. More. I will talk about uh-huh. the Apple immersive video, which is also 3D 8K recordings. This is this is the Alicia, Alicia Keys thing that I was talking about with the uh, the rhinos charging at me. And these are 180 degree 3D videos. It's yes. not 360 yes. like older VR stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like not full, not like, you know, but but it has both spatial audio and like AK recordings, that sort of thing. Um, we flew over mountains and oceans. And you know what? The problem I think with this specific uh, example for me is that this was the point where I was in pain. So I was holding up the visor with my hands, uh, the, the Vision Pro with my hands, trying to focus. And I think I didn't get like the best experience. Um, we might have had swapped out over to the head strap, the dual loop band at this point, but I, I just was not really able to focus. So I think I wasted the opportunity. Aww. I will quickly say we did see like an Alfa Romeo F1 race car That's using cool. jig space. Cool. Um, we did a... Um, we actually checked out eyesight, by the way, which is when you look at the person from the outside, uh, someone else wearing the Vision Pro and see what their eyes kind of look like. How did, but how it's did that being, look? It looked like I was, wasn't was sure. Okay, so you're not real. all Marvel it's a, it's fans. It's a visual representation of your eyes. Yeah. So you know how whenever we watch an Iron Man movie, we see Robert Downey Jr.'s face sort of lit on the side by a glow? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So it's kind of like that, except worse, <laughs> because it's not real. It's uh-huh. not... Yeah, so you're looking at the camera, and, and he was like, okay, so you see my, the, the person that was demoing it to us showed up, said like, look, I am blinking at you, and whatever, and like, at some point, there was one weird flicker, and that just re- completely ruined it for me. I was yeah. like, this is Uncanny Valley. It felt like I was talking to a cyborg almost, but like half human face and half not. I guess it is better, though, than any other VR headset, where it's just like, you're exactly. staring at a blank cyborg, you know, you're staring at a blank exactly. frame or something. So it's not perfect, I, from what I can see, but... It's as the, good as the, we can get right f- now. Yeah. Right. The And the fact that it just indicates whether the person's able to see you or not, and if they're immersed in a different environment or not, like it does indicate on the outside for you, that alone is more thought out than any other VR headset I've tried. There, I mean, that was so the I thing for cool. my hands on too. Like the thoughtfulness yeah. that went into this thing, the gestures, yeah. like I love the tap yes. gesture. I do love the tap select yes. gesture and the how seamless like scrolling felt and everything. Um, real quick, uh, it does seem like Apple is positioning this as a very much an entertainment device as well. So there are going to be a lot of iTunes uh, 3D movies that you can buy and rent. But also what's really cool is that the Disney Plus you know, app is going to have 3D movies in it, including Avatar, including like some of their big Pixar releases. I think that's pretty cool. To be honest, like, but I'm a movie nerd. I'm a cinema nerd. I'm sitting, you know, not far from my projector. Um, so I'm used to, I like seeing things big. I'm going to be really intrigued to see how that works. How was the sound for you, Sherlyn? Because when I talked to Apple, the speakers are good, the built-in ones, do you think? Yeah. I enjoy, I mean, I heard everything I well. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, and, and the fact that I got a good meditation experience from it, I think is part of the, the audio is part of the reason. And, and, it was good. Not not like Bose. I'm, I'm sorry. Not like Sonos good, I think. You know what I mean? By Bose Sonos was probably bad, a better like, pull than Sonos good. But Bose, yeah, you know. Exactly. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Apple did say, I believe, like those speakers support spatial audio. They're pretty big drivers. Like they sound good. But also, if you want like the full, full immersion, I did hear that you could just put in AirPods or something or even the uh, the AirPods, um, the AirPods Max. Max, too. So Max, yeah. There are ways to like make that experience even better if you have that hardware. Any takeaways, Sherlyn, because we're close to the launch for this thing. Is this something like if, if the Vision Pro were $1,000, you know, with all this tech in a couple of years, would it be something you buy? Like, what is the cutoff point for you to actually buy this thing for yourself? If I were more immersed in the Apple ecosystem, yes. I want that like whole MacBook is brought in. I, I am very sold on how they're able to mix like the real world with the, with the virtual. Um, I... I don't know about any of the other use cases. Uh, I definitely have to use a dual loop band to even want to use this. But actually, with the dual loop band, I could see myself sitting on my couch and like yeah, just yeah, just, just like chilling. tapping around and chilling and uh, all that sort of stuff. I, I 
<sighs> it's hard. I, I, I will say to me, and I think Sam, you have to tell me if I'm like left, like outdated about VR headset stuff. But I feel like this is easily, I stand by what I said in my hands on far and away the best oh, yes. VR era headset I've ever tried. Um, I know you haven't had experience, Sam, but like. I will say it should be for the money. It should be, yes. Right. Yeah, 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 from yeah, the right. tech that's in there, right. it should be from the resolution we've seen from the screens in there. That there's a reason those screens look so good is because it's they're micro OLEDs and it's just like insanely good quality. Uh, one thing I did tell people, I know some people are buying it against my recommendation. I'm like, well, you better put in money to have an Apple laptop with you because I know you're a Windows user. And if you want to do any of this like carryover computing stuff, you need we a need Mac. Our, our laptops, this is how they get our work you. Laptops. Our work laptops are Macs. Our work so laptops are Macs, that. yes. But I'm talking like anybody else. Like if, you, if you're if you a Windows user, you better set aside another $1,500 or something for a MacBook Air because you're going to need a you're gonna need a Mac. Maybe a Mac Mini, if you have a setup with that, could be the thing, could be your conduit into the desktop world on the Vision Pro. So maybe. There's a lot we still don't know, but we're going to be hearing more soon. I'm excited to like get a closer look at this thing at some point. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know when it's going to happen, but we're going to hear more about the Vision Pro soon, folks. So thank you, Sherlyn, for your feedback. Of course. Let's move on to some other news. And we're still going to be talking about Apple because the whole like Apple Watch drama about the blood oxygen sensor <laughs> is not ending. Uh, there was news that Apple would be shutting off the sensor um, that's within the Apple Watches. Uh, as of today, as we're recording this, Apple is now selling... Series 9 and Ultra 2 watches that have disabled blood oxygen monitors, it sounds like they're disabled by software because it is much harder exactly. to like jump in there and like, you know, remove this thing from production. Um, so they are now selling these that have the sensor built in, um, that have the sensor. There, there's a whole thing going on about like what the court was going to allow. Like they were put back up for sale. Um, but then the the court, let me see, uh, the appeals court in D.C. granted a temporary pause on the import sales ban. Now the appeals court has been lifted uh, because they were forced to start selling the models by January 18th. So because of that, Apple has started sending out the disabled units. It's all very confusing. My thing, though, because this is a looks like a software fix, if this gets resolved, if Apple ends up paying Massimo for, you know, for a patent for their tech or something, they could just like re-enable this in these watches, right? Yep. That's. that's I mean, the I think thinking. that's the plan. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, if, yeah, if, if Apple can't like win the, the legal battle, uh, they will pay a big lump of money over to Massimo, and they will reactivate all the features on all the watches. Yeah. So that that's the story there. It is kind of confusing. It is kind of wild that it's gotten to this point. But uh, Massimo is a company that is known for really fighting for their stuff too. I believe they've been in battle with like other you know other companies around this. But I also think they kind of have a point given the amount of people Apple has hired directly away from Massimo. So this this drama is not done. If you need to buy an Apple Watch Series Nine now and you're worried about not having that sensor. I would bet, like, once this gets resolved, like, you're going to get that sensor turned back on eventually. So don't don't worry it's too much. It's not doing that yeah. much in there either. Also in Apple news, uh, Apple has updated its U.S. App Store guidelines to allow developers to link to third-party payments. So basically, if you're in an app um, and you want to – I think Kindle is a good example for this. If you're in an Amazon app, typically it tells you, hey, you better, uh, you better go to – you got to do this from a web browser. You can't do this from our app. Because Apple takes a commission of stuff, uh, you know, bought through their apps, and typically you have to use Apple's payments. Now developers can link to websites to their websites for purchases, and that'll be, you know, through the web through that company's whole whole mechanism. Apple will still take a cut. They're still trying to take a commission from these things. Um, the commission is at twelve percent for developers, part of its small business program, and twenty seven percent for larger developers. 
I do wonder, and I think even Apple has pointed this out, um, 9 to 5 Mac had reported on this, there's no way in hell for Apple to tell what what purchases are actually happening once people hit that link, Leave you know? The, so yeah. what are they, what money do these companies actually owe them? I believe Apple says um, that, you know, they're allowed to audit, you know, partners and see like where those payments are going, but that's uh, going to so be honor weird. system. Yeah, it's an honor system thing. That's going to be a weird issue for Apple moving forward. Um, but hey, at least we will start to see some of those links start to appear, at least in the U.S. and hopefully elsewhere soon. Moving on to another big company, Google announced that it is fully supporting Right to Repair. Um, this is the same company that has spent you know years lobbying against it, uh, but it has recently voiced support for an Oregon bill. Um, you know, there's like a big blog post. Google's talking about like the need for basically making more repairable devices and having, you know, the equipment out there and also like a bit of a dig at Apple. The dig is, um, it's specifically the thing where you link parts, parts pairing is the term, right? Where you link a specific part, uh, via like a software thing or via like a barcode to your device, which limits like how third-party repairers or installers can actually use those things. You can't just grab something off the shelf and fix your device. Apple's doing that for their things, even though they're now doing some repair programs. Apple, uh, Google basically took a dug, took a dig at that and just saying, like, that's not how we're going to do things. Right. Do you guys have and, thoughts on this? Yeah. And this was an issue uh, or last year when some people reported that, like, they were getting third-party uh, camera fixes for their iPhones and the parts weren't working. And it's because they didn't have the correct software uh, unlocking process. And so that can definitely be a big issue. I think it's a very, very fair point. So, hey, good news for Google. Um, I think it's sure it's not entirely like altruistic. Like uh, they're also complying with California rules to make this happen. But I th do think like as a company, it is nice to see Google put some full throated you know, support towards this. And sorry, it took so freaking long. But exactly. Yeah. I'm like, why did it take so long? Because they didn't have to do it. Like they don't do this until they have to. And that's unfortunately how how corporate governance works in America. It's a damn shame. Speaking of corporate governance, OpenAI announced uh, it laid out its, its misinformation strategy ahead of the 2024 elections. Um, I believe it will involve the detection of AI-generated images, and um, the whole thing is not allowing images of politicians, I believe, is the whole thing. Did you guys see this story? And are you worried about like what we're, what we're heading into, basically? I mean, it's, it's one thing for OpenAI to say this, but at the same time, it's like, where like you know, I think the bigger issue like TikTok, uh, X, Twitter, whatever, you know, the social media at large, because just just OpenAI saying it's going to do this, I don't think it's going to make a huge impact. To be clear, uh, TikTok did announce some stuff, uh, or is announced has announced some stuff uh, by the time this episode goes up. That like yeah, it has some like updates to its election like. Um, policies i guess around election time. all this reminds me is that this year is an election year and i'm like cool this year's gonna suck it's not gonna be great for news um richard lie wrote up the open ai story for us richard lie open ai rhymes too easily um he's saying the high open ai is highlighting its use of cryptography um to encode the provenance of images generated by dolly 3 this will allow the platform to better detect ai generated images using a provenance classifier in order to help voters assess the reliability of certain content. So you will see, hopefully, you know, some information saying, hey. Finally, a good use for crypto. I mean, good use for crypto, but also like a warning that this is AI generated. I think that is something that is really, that would be used to, useful to see. Also in recent news, OpenAI announced that its policy no longer explicitly bans the use of its technology for military and warfare. What could go wrong? What could go wrong there, I guess? 
Nothing, clearly. Nothing, clearly. In more fun news, there were stories... In more what could go wrong. <laughs> yeah. There were stories going around this week about, um, first of all, the entire country, all the U.S. is facing extreme cold. Things got really cold down here, even in, like, Georgia and, you know, things where it's typically not that bad in the winter. But in Chicago specifically... Um, the temperature got really, really low. Like, um, there was a point where it fe- it was two f- uh, two degrees Fahrenheit, felt like minus twenty because of the wind chill. And those extreme factors uh, basically have led to a lot of Teslas at supercharger stations basically being dead in the water. And there were news reports. There were a lot of videos about this. Uh, one person called it a bunch of dead robots at the Tesla ch- supercharger areas. The optics look bad. I do want to point out that um, there's a very good video from one of my favorite uh, YouTube car people out of spec reviews. And he actually uh, did the YouTube dream of like following the content. You know, he flew to Chicago to see what's happening at these supercharger stations. Um, He's a really informative guy about EVs. Um, But he like looked at this and was just like, yeah, this is a problem. For these uh, superchargers to work and these stations to work, uh, things have to happen above freezing. So if you take your car there and the battery is already dead and it's like frozen and really cold, it's not going to charge immediately. It may not charge at all. So there are basically things uh, they, you know, the out of spec guy is recommending like do your charging at home when you can or at work where it's like not like an open air thing, like a public charging station. That is unfortunate for like Uber drivers and people um, even around here, like people who buy EVs but do not have the charging infrastructure at home because they live in an apartment. So often they charge their cars, you know, at a public spot, just like a gas station Um, that leads to issues. Also, our infrastructure sucks. Like the chargers we actually have uh, tend to fail very often. It seems like they were failing more often because of the cold. Um, there's a wide variety of battery tech out there across all these cars. So people don't know the best practices for dealing with their cars. Uh, Sam, I know you're following, you know, the transportation side of things. How do you, how do you feel about this? Seeing this story? I think this is sort of one of those inevitable conflicts where we have a population that's switching from gas vehicles to EVs. And by and large that, you know, transition is kind of, you know, not a big deal, but there are a number of details, which includes charging when it's cold, that unless you really think through and think about beforehand, you could find yourself in a kind of sticky situation. You could be stuck. I mean, listen, there there are Teslas in Alaska. There are Teslas like in northern Canada where it's even more cold and they're dealing with more stuff. And we don't hear these widespread problems. So it, it does feel like this is a thing that hit Chicago specifically because it was so cold so quickly. And the equipment couldn't take it. And these drivers were fully unprepared for, like, how bad it got. Even though Chicago – Chicago's really bad in the winter usually. So, Right. And, and even like even if you drive an EV, and it's specifically Teslas, if you are, like, you know, uh, driving a Tesla and you're going to go charge it at a supercharger and you put it in, in your map, the car will send you a notification and say, hey, we're going to condition the battery so that right, it's right. in the optimal state when you finally get to the charger so it's ready to accept the best possible charge. And it will also do this in the cold. Now, you know, there was not too long ago, there was a point where some EVs would not have heaters to keep their battery warm. Teslas don't have these issues. But like I said, if you're showing up to a charger with a dead car and it doesn't have any energy to condition its battery, yeah, you're going to be in a, you're going to have a real big issue. And on top of that, you know, because of the temperature changes, you're going to have a battery that, you know, maybe has 20% and suddenly that 20% turns into 
single digit percentage of the battery, range will be all over the big, place yeah it's right. not like a gas tank you know so that uh, this sucks so, yeah yeah it's, it's one, i think it's one of those unfortunate side effects of that transition period and we're kind of in this like situation where we have a lot of the early adopters who are you know very positive about evs have you know kind of already made that transition and then you have you know the kind of general public who is still you know kind of on the fence about how they think about it and they see these and they start to get worried a little bit more well it's a, it's a lot of like general public uh, tesla's got really cheap lately because uh the value tanked quite a bit and also used ones were on the market so they became really popular among rideshare drivers too there are a lot of people driving these things who don't who aren't like fully in the ev mindset and doing all the research and stuff to you and like you expect the thing to work but also if you go take your phone outside in like minus uh you know 20 degree wind chill your phone will die almost yeah, like yeah. i mean immediately it's just, there's just la- a lot of issues yeah yeah just last week at cs i was uh you know getting you know ubers around from meeting the meeting and uh i there's two situations where we got into a mustang mach e and the driver had to like open the door and tell us hey by the way push the button because there's no handle on the door and it's like I know this because I've, you know, I've driven a Mach-E before, but it's like, you know, there, there's a lot of little details that like, hey, it's going to take take some adjustment. And even, you know, you see this on the handles part, you see this on gas cars too. So it's not just an EV only thing. It's kind of like, you oh, know, yeah. that evolution of technology means it can be a little harder to keep up with sometimes. Be careful out there on the road, by the way, people like this week is just like hell. Um it's it's not great. Like I have summer tires on my car because a lot of people told me like, hey, you're in you're in Georgia. It's like it's totally fine. That's what we bought it with, and I never got around to changing it. It was like 15 degrees yesterday morning, and I had to be very careful driving my kids to school. Uh, we stayed home a day when it was raining, and clearly everything like iced over. Uh, I'm going to all season tires because I you gotta like take care of those things. I saw a Tesla with fully like two blown out tires uh, parked in front of my kid's school this morning, clearly because like those are heavy cars. And also those tires did not look like they were ready for winter. Those tires looked like they were summer tires, basically. So be careful out there, you know, as a driver, like there's just stuff you got to try to be aware of because, yeah, you're driving a freaking kill box on the road out there. Um, Related to all of this, by the way, Hertz announced that it's selling 20,000 EVs. And replacing them with gas-powered vehicles, which, good God, that is that is sad. Uh, but it also means a flooding of the market of EVs are coming. So if you're looking for a used EV, that's probably a thing. I really wonder, like, what the issue was there. Um, let me see. Uh, oh, expenses related to collision and damage primarily associated with EVs remained high, according to Hertz. That is true. There's a lot of stories going around. If you have, like, a minor bumper, you know, a uh, fender bumper or something uh, with a Rivian, it can cost you a lot of money because the parts are not like very common. Um, or, and, and if you do any damage to the battery, like you're basically totaling the car. You're screwed. You're basically screwed. So still issues we're working out. But hey, if you want a cheap used EV, you're probably going to find more in the market soon. Let's move on to our pop culture picks for the week. Sam, what do you got for us? So I, I've been watching this and it's very confusing to me because I can't decide if it's good or not. Uh, so basically, I've been watching the new <laughs> Percy Jackson show on Disney Plus, which Ooh. is kind of, you know, a reboot of the old movies. And I th- and the books. Yeah. yeah. The and, you know, I think that that franchise kind of fell off like after the third or fourth movie, however. And they made three I, movies. What? I, I think so. I think it was three. Um, I think it was three. I know if. 
I know for sure. That was the post Harry Potter era where literally any like vaguely successful YA yeah. thing right. had a chance. Yeah. And and so theoretically, that's kind of like up my alley because it's like I love like having the whole pantheon of gods thing and you're know, talking about like, you know, hey, there's like Hermes' son and like, you know, Poseidon's son or whoever is like, you know, out doing some magic quest. I, I've watched, I think I'm like four or five episodes in. I just can't decide if it's good or not, but I'm going to keep watching it. So, uh, yeah, maybe Sam, give it a Sam, there try. are better and things for you to watch. Like, value your time. Come on. I, 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 but I do appreciate that, like, they have reboot the series, and it does feel like they've made a, an attempt to, like, hey, this is, yes, it is targeted at young adults. And so sometimes that comes with, like, you know, less quality or less thought put into it. But it does seem like they're they're doing a good a good attempt, and you know the kid actors are surprisingly convincing. So I, I just I just can't figure out where my official stance is on it yet. Yeah, I hear people are digging it as far as like a YA TV show. Uh, anything else you've been watching, Sam? Um, I want I don't want to mention uh, what you're uh, going to bring up soon, okay, but okay. I've also been trying to uh, catch up with Good Omens too, which is sort of in the same vein, but more an adult take on. Uh, gods are living amongst us and all that. But, That's yeah. a good show nobody is talking about. A great cast, but it's it's like a lot of Amazon things. They make things and just like never promote them and never like give them a big. Yeah, th- visible th- it came out and I haven't heard anything about yeah. it since and uh, or or probably in the future. But Ugh. we'll see. Very wild, Sir Lynn. What is up with you? And by the way, have you checked out Brother's Son yet? Because I feel like that was made for. I know you, you texted me. Yes. You texted me about it, and honestly, y'all are going to hear this week, I just basically had no time to watch TV, so I've basically not been watching TV. I will catch up on that once I can. Uh, my pick this week is more of a, like a Sam thing where I'm like, I'm not sure if it's good or bad. I saw Self-Reliance on Hulu. Uh, it's okay. Everybody's been... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like right in the middle of like, I get what you're going for, but I was also kind of disappointed because there's a lot about the movie I wanted. So, synopsis. Jake Johnson, Lonely Islands Productions... Anna Kendrick, they're Andy Samberg's part of this. They basically do a sort of borderline squid game premise where Jake Johnson's just like every man. He's like um, got a sad life, got broken up with his girlfriend, uh, by, uh, dumped by his girlfriend maybe like two years ago and is still kind of lonely. Um, and is approached by a limousine containing <laughs> Andy Samberg playing who himself. rolls down the window is like, hey, yeah. yeah, playing himself, going like, hey, you, you like limous- limousines? Get in. And is like, hey, do you want to play a game? Uh, we know all these details about you. Come play a game. Basically, if Jake Johnson's able to not get killed by a bunch of hunters from around the world uh, in 30 days, he will win a million dollars. It is apparently a dark net TV show, which I've never heard of before, but cool. Um, and uh, the the loophole, according to Jake Johnson in this show, is that if, as long as he's not alone, he won't get killed because it's like, he can't be killed if there's no one near, near him. If there's someone near him because of the liability and danger of hurting other people. So so then in his quest to stay alive, he, you know, finds ways to make people be around him. And that's what this movie is about. Don't you dare for a moment think you're in for a fun adventure romp. Don't you dare for a moment think you'll be a big reveal and, and you will see this show. Because you do not. This is basically a rom-com. Just fair warning. <laughs> This is a rom-com. I mean, listen, you don't okay? cast Anna Kendrick into this thing and not be like, I have a crush on you, Anna Kendrick. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. So so there you go. I, I did not know if I liked it is my main takeaway. I know it's get, doing the rounds on Hulu is getting a lot of attention there, but it I, is, I, I like eh. it. It's a perfectly fine movie. Uh, it's Jake Johnson's directorial debut, I believe. And yeah. here's the thing. I think yes. Jake Johnson deserves a better career because I've always loved him. Loved him on New Girl. He's been great in like a couple of random movies. I think he was in one of the Godzillas. Um, but... Or Jurassic World. He was in the first Jurassic World, I think. 
Oh yeah, he was a, a, a worker in the control room. Yeah, so yeah, I he said, was one of were those. Were you about go to ahead, say something? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that this sort of reminds me. It's a little bit different, but it sort of reminds me of that uh, Jennifer Law, Chris Pratt sci-fi movie Jennifer where they're Lawrence. trapped on passengers. Passengers. Where, totally where it was totally different. It was supposed to be a sci-fi movie, but it ended up turning but into like a, a, a creepy rom-com in in a way. And I don't I know if you'd I'd call oh. that rom-com. More like a yeah, I don't know. <laughs> rom crime, rom crime. Also, I was gonna say before we get to Devendra's pick, uh, my my wife was listening from the other room, and I have I need to c- correct myself. There was only two movies, uh, but there, there were we five go. five main Percy Jackson books. Yes. Thank you, Mrs. Rutherford. Thank you for correcting, Sam. Uh, cool, cool. Well, anything else you want to mention about the Sherlin, or anything else you're doing? I and then and I've just been watching a YouTuber, uh, but I don't want to mention them because like every time I mention a YouTuber on this show, they get canceled. So it's like, <laughs> never mind. I, I like them so yeah, far. Yeah, you're so. the curse. You're the curse over here. Uh, by the way, also good show. Check it out. It's on Showtime right now. Uh, I'll talk more about the curse once I finish seeing the whole thing. But it is very much a thing in your vein, Trillin. Like I think you would actually really dig it. Uh, the thing I want to talk about is True Detective Night Country, which is the fourth season of True Detective. It is back it is fantastic it is so good uh i was lucky enough to get screeners for this because i'll be talking about it on my movie podcast uh but i plowed through the whole season in like three days and i i just i had like i guess time post yeah so that was helpful. so, so I, I i gotta yeah. ask you uh compared to season one which i think is like un it's really very good. high up there like how, how do you compare it to season i one? think it's as good and honestly better wow. is the thing like i, wow. I like okay. this pairing i like uh, first of all it's jody foster back in silence of the lambs mode uh, as a as a police chief who is confronting a major crime or at least like a mysterious crime uh, a bunch of scientists from uh, an alaskan science like outpost disappear that's the kickoff. And wow. she's also oh working together with Callie Rice, another cop. Uh, Callie Rice is like a newcomer. She has done a short indie film. She's a former boxer. And I love her presence because she is basically like a tall, tough Amazon. Like she is just like – and uh, she's also a native woman too. So it's like it's good to have her perspective in an Alaskan set story. This is a cold, cold story. It's set in a forever night. That's why it's night country. But it's cool. It's spooky. Um, there's a bit of like dark magic going on. There's a bit of like Ooh. a bit of the like stuff that they're building up with the rest of True Detective 2 of like things going back to the far, far times, you know. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it Lovecraftian, but there's like, you know, mystical stuff. Ooh. So it is cool. You're just saying things that I like yeah. right now. The so if you want like a cool, creepy, it's also a murder mystery too. Yes. Like in addition to those yes. scientists disappearing. Um, and it's also like, I think it's better than season one because I love season one. But it also was very from the perspective of a guy ogling, you know, uh, dead women at times. Like it really, it really like sexualized the violence. And this this season is like the complete direct opposite. Like it's in a cold environment. It's about two women. Um, the men in the show, I think, mo- almost always are like kind of look like fools is the thing too. So that's kind of interesting. It's also created and show run by Issa Lopez, who's a Mexican filmmaker. So I appreciate her perspective here. What's up, Cher? Echo is also out on Disney plus, oh, yeah. which has a, a lot of native American actors um, in it as well. So uh, shout out to that. I've been watching it. It's pretty solid so far. I just wanted to ask if I needed to watch true nope. detective season one to be able to watch this. Season. You okay. should watch season one. Cause it's very good, but also watch the season first, because I do think uh, it is, a better story and it's Is not it like one? it's not as like inherently misogynistic like the thing about true detective even the credits to true detective had like you know a woman in like skimpy clothes who was all bound up because of a crazy serial killer And this one is not that. This one is something very different. There's even like an environmental bent to it that I think is kind of cool. 
Um, but it's also very no, much... I'm definitely checking this one yeah, out. This I, I, cool. I just remember season one because Matthew McConaughey's performance in that is just incredible, and so... So good. The writing was fun. It was just... It really had us for, like, a little while because it seemed like a show that would veer into full-on, like, Lovecraftian horror and, like, old god stuff, and it never quite did that, but it was really cool. It was a cool, like, group-watching experience, you know, and it's nice when those things kind of arrive. Uh, anyway, the first uh, episode of True Detective Night Country is out. I recommend uh, watching. It's very good. I hope you check it out soon, Sherlyn. Well, that's it for this week's episode, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Sam online at... At Sam Rutherford on, I guess we'll call it X now. You can find Devendra online at... I'm at Devendra everywhere, but especially Mastodon and Blue Sky. And check out my movie podcast, The Filmcast, at thefilmcast.com. If you want to send me, I guess, I don't know, movies to watch. Dang, I ran out of a fun one or to Or just pictures today. of butterflies. Yeah, send Sherlyn oh all God, the butterflies. Not. Yeah. No, cute baby dinosaurs. That's what you send oh, me. Man. You send them to me over at Sherlyn Instagram on threads. I guess on X slash Twitter. I am at Sherlyn Lowe there. Or just email them to me at Sherlyn, C-H-E-R-L-Y-N-N at Engadget.com. Now email us your thoughts at podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. And subscribe everywhere you get podcasts. Where can I get some sweet, sweet barbecue? And even like sweet, sweet barbecue was like too, too suggestive. Apparently I'm too sexy for a Samsung's gauss.